Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is that shower water or sweat water? Where? On my hair? Yeah. It's just grease, dude. It's so bad. No, I'm I'm I was just on a on a call, as you know. Hi, Joe. By the way, how are you, baby? Hi, Oliver. I have a, uh, you know, I have this. I have a production company called Bronco, and, and we're doing Unscripted. It's the whole world. And I was just on the phone with like one of the top brokers in uh, in Aspen to try to do a show about sort of Aspen real estate. You know, they have these million dollar listings, yeah. you know, and all that shit. And have, we haven't explored the mountain towns yet. And it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy what goes on in that. So world. there's is there interest? Huh? Is there interest? Yeah. yeah, no, I think it's gonna I think it's good, dude. I'm just trying to trying to hustle Joe, trying to hustle up gigs because my know. show didn't get picked up and I'm just hey, what do I do over here? What about this? You know, does anyone want you know my body? I'll sell that. How about knee symbols? Have you ever tried knee symbols? Yes, Josh. Al- Oliver, do you have headphones in? Oh no. God damn it, Josh. I was on a roll. What are you eating, Josh? Fruit. I'm at my parents' house, and they made me a fruit bowl. Oh. You haven't lived until you've seen your dad's fruit bowl. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Just keep shoveling it in, Josh. Yep. We're leaving this in, by the way. This is gold. I'm not on a good mic or anything, though, Margo. Oh, God. Nobody cares. We're post-COVID, basically. We're post-Zoom. I could do a ba- I could do a baseball game like this. I do baseball games off TV now, so nobody cares. That's why I kind of want to start my stand-up career now because I feel like everybody will laugh at anything. Yeah. While you were gone, while you were gone, Oliver, we found out that Josh Windish is uh, looking to start a stand-up career. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. <laughs> is this real? No, that's yeah. my first joke. Uh, hey guys! Hey, hey guys! That's very good. Is this a parrot on my shoulder, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Good night, Chicago. <laughs> oh, little Josh. Funny. Um. So, Joe. Yeah. So today I got frantic phone calls. I, I went for a workout, and I get like ten calls from the boys school this is one of the two days a week that they go 
and it's the uh, the director of the school telling me that Wyatt has jumped up and cracked his head open on the uh, bottom of the fire extinguisher box. Oh. And I get there, and I'll send you the picture. There are two ambulances, a fire truck. There were eight paramedics and two cops. For this little three-year-old who's sitting there crying for me or his mommy and they bear they they were too scared to go anywhere near him because he was freaking out so much to check his head he's fine i mean it, it, it bled a lot but it's the first of a thousand calls and hopefully they all end as well as this one did today oh did he, did he need stitches not to this point but the paramedics like you know tonight when you wash it out i'm like i'm not getting anywhere fucking near this kid uh tonight <laughs> okay oh good night boys Wyatt, how are we feeling, man? Here, show Uncle Oliver. Oh, there Oliver. you are. Show Uncle Oliver your head. Let me see your Hi, head, Ollie, baby. Uncle Bend Ollie. your head down. Like, put look down L- here. Oh. Is it red? Oh, cool. He said it's cool. That's cool. You You're up. big and tough. Up. Pinky out. That's cool. Cowabunga, nice. dude. Yeah. That's very cool. You're, you're very tough. That's very cool. I have to wear headphones because Josh gets mad. Bye, Ollie. Bye, baby. Bye. Bye-bye, Blake. Have a good nap, boys. Um, no, I had my first experience with that. We, I was in New Orleans. I was doing a, a TV show there. And Wilder, who was little at the time, got locked outside of the house in this little courtyard area. Not a big deal. He decides in his little brain to try to punch through the window. So oh, he full-on hauls off, punches through a pane of glass, cuts his knuckle to the bone, you know, I wake up to screaming because it's like seven in the morning. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? He's bleeding and losing it. Now we got to go to the emergency room. <laughs> I'm like, why are you punching through the thing? He panicked. Right. Full on panic mode. Yeah. That's like oh, Blake God. doing what he did to me. But I, so they're like, yeah, when you, when you wash his head off tonight, I'm like, eh, I don't know if we're going to do that. And then if you can still split it open with your fingers, he may need a staple. Oh, I'm, like, I'm not God. doing that to him. It stopped bleeding. I mean, he's. What if we were? What if this little house in the prairie? You think they'd go to? No, the old bearded guy, and they'd fire a staple in there. No. What do you think Michael Landon would do? Michael Landon would say, "Is he up on his shots?" And uh, the answer is yes. And then he'd, you know, pose for a Polaroid (laughs) picture. You have to be at least fifty-five years old to even get that joke. (laughs) That's our demographic, right? Yeah. well, wow! What 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 uh, what a day! I mean, that's the yeah. first of many, though. Like you said, dude. I mean, you know, it, that shit happens so much. I'm having so I've, much more respect now for the Travolta movie Boy in the Bubble because mm, I'd like I'd like to put them in a bubble and just have them at all times be protected and surrounded by something soft. Uh, you know, but that's not going to happen. Funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I was just having this conversation with somebody, you know, we, uh, it's very sad news, but a, a friend of ours who lives in New Mexico, his daughter just died in a, in a car accident. She's 18, oh, she was 18 years God. old. It, it, horrendous. I mean, just awful. But, you know, at the same time, you have to send your kids off into the real world. You can't just protect them forever. And they get right. into a car at 16, 17, 18, and, and then even moving forward. And you just have to hope, cross your fingers, and, and pray that you did a good job and they're responsible and that they have a little luck on their side. I do but, feel like the one thing that's happened since I was a teenager is that somehow, by the grace of God, the message of don't drink and drive 
mm-hmm. has landed. Because back when I was 16, 17, 18, first of all, nobody wore seatbelts. I mean, and I'm 52 mm-hmm. years old. It's not like I'm 80. I feel like I'm 80. Uh, but nobody well, wore seatbelts. like you're 30. Oh, really? Especially right. with that beautiful, new, luscious fucking hair you got, baby. Uh-huh. Look, Theo's here. Hi, Theo. What's up, Buck? What's hey, up? Man. How you doing, man? Hey, look Theo, at you. How are you, man? Up, look, at that, look, at that, doing, look at that hair flowing. That's look at this mop. Phenomenal. It's going to be gone in a few days. I'm, I'm, Why? I'm, oh, just work. But yeah, it's a, it's a mop. <laughs> it's it's luxurious i wish i mean I, look don't get the wrong impression but as a guy who's been through now nine yeah. hair transplant yeah. surgeries yeah yeah what i would give for that i can't even the, the the price tag i would put on that would really put a smile on your face <laughs> this is this is something special this last role that i just finished was the first time i had it like wild wild um but no it'll be blonde in a couple of days Oh, cool! What are you? What are you? Uh, what are you doing? Well, I just finished the the this other show for Netflix. Uh, the Kevin Hart, uh, Wesley Snipes, and Kevin Hart from the guy who did Narcos, and that's why I was like, I'd lost a bunch Oof. of weight. My hair was like out here, and now uh, I'm going to go do these two movies. And I just I've never had blonde, and I just think it fits the. Cool, man. Dude. Narcos is one of my all times. I, I, I think heard. that show is just amazing. It's yeah. so well done, so good. He's the man. That's what this is. Even though it's Kevin and Wesley, it's more like it's super dark. Like mm-hmm. dark. Just, um, just because our engineer's on right now and he's yeah. going to ask you to put in headphones. Uh, Theo, can you record on your end too? Because he looks like you have a nice mic. I, uh, yeah, hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, ju- I can't hear you. Hold on. Uh-oh. It's a good way to make a podcast come to a screeching fucking halt, Josh. Yeah, that would be it. Do people do do the hardcore sorry to bring up I hear you. Okay, good. Do the hardcore Okay. Okay, good. Do the hardcore recording on you're recording on your end. Fuck Josh. I'm about to. I'm about to, Josh. (laughs) Hold on. Am I doing QuickTime? Yeah, I, so if you launch QuickTime, it should be... Yeah, I've launched it. It's launched. Okay, right. and then if you do file new audio recording... But, you know, but, but what's, what's strange is we've done 100-plus podcasts, and this has never I mean, really happened. I mean, I, Josh was happened. too... Here, you should, you should take solace in this, Theo. He was too scared to talk to Eddie Vedder. He was oh, too scared to talk to Charles Barkley. He was nah. too scared to talk, talk to Mark Cuban. Or but with uh, me, space. he's fucking. He hasn't stopped talking. Since but with you, he's like, yeah, he's just. You would. He's like, yeah. And would you mind uh, sending me some <laughs> yeah. headshots? I've got some Sons of Anarchy fans in my family. No, I like to do this stuff. This is what I do. I like figuring out problems. See, this is Staten Island. This is Staten Island at its finest, right here. This is a good guy. Salt of the earth. Just go roll with me here for a McConaughey. Minute. He didn't say anything to McConaughey. He was cutting in and out. He didn't say it's anything. Like, to he him. lives right down the block over here in Austin. He's around yeah. somewhere. Yeah, but this is two weeks in a row of Austin guests. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's the. Uh, it's the place to be. Are you say. two running for governor of Texas? I am not. I am running for the governor of my home, and I've lost every election <laughs> yeah. to my wife. <laughs> I've lost every election. So you're talking every to- night, I try to put a new count. I'm checking. Yeah. It doesn't work. Who, who's, vo- who's, who's voting? I mean, who's voting? Who's voting? The kids and the dog. And for some reason, I keep losing. I don't know if it's rigged because they seem to like me the most. 
I lose to my wife, and they're like four term, four year term limit. <laughs> I, I I got three more years to wait before I even get another crack at it. Okay, so in my applications, for some reason, Josh, it's not letting me click on it. Okay, one the alternative then. Yeah. If you go to Zoom preferences, can you go to the audio and just change your input? I'm gonna check right now. There, it's done. I'm back there. in. Now it sounds good. Now it sounds good. We're good. Oh We're my good. God. I was just gonna ask you, if you grow your hair out and go blonde, do the hardcore Sons of Anarchy fans like somehow get pissed at you? Are they, are they pissed that you what have an a full head of hair? Yeah, yeah. They, people get visibly disappointed that I don't have <laughs> tattoos on my head. Like visibly disappointed when they meet me. They're like, where's the tattoos? And I'm like, um, it's I don't, TV. It's TV. TV. <laughs> it's TV. And but Batman's not again, Batman. I, and I get it because you got to remember, and Oliver, you guys, and you know this, this was back in the day where Pete, you were on a show every week for seven, mm-hmm. whatever years. You basically became part of people's lives. Now we binge watch a show and I'll be like, yeah, it was great but you don't really know the people you didn't live with them. You didn't spend time with them. Mm-hmm. So that, that era is kind of over of feeling like you're part of like, almost like they know you, there's a different response. Like they, they really feel like, like Joe, that's you must a, get it all the time. You know, that's really interesting yeah. though, that you I've said never that. Thought I've never thought of it that way. Uh, yeah. Because it's true. You know, each week it ends and then you get to sort of marinate in it and that's marinate right. in, and, and then, Oh my God, the anticipation of next week. So you're living these characters more than you and are take with binging it a step. where it's gung. Take it a step further. Then there's nine months off between the season and you got to think about how it ended and then take it a step further is between episodes. You might go on a talk show or an entertainment weekly and talk about what's coming up. But now you sit and you, you binge watch less episodes, eight, 10, whatever in, in a weekend. And you don't, you know, it was good, but unless it's like a superstar from the past, you don't really remember the people on it. You don't, you don't have that relationship to them. And I think that has changed the business dramatically in the way people are built up. There is no buildup anymore. Man, that, you just blew my mind. Because, I, <laughs> be, because that's the way, I mean, I, I obviously I'm a huge fan of your show. I, if somebody, I don't know if it was a comedian or somebody described it as the world's most inept, badass motorcycle gang of all time. And which which is kind of true of them all because because shit just went wrong every time mm-hmm. to kind of keep you in the same loop all the time but yet man i couldn't get enough and and so i, I you're right i mean i'm i'm i've binge watching the formula one show on netflix which i i recommend to anybody not a non-sports it's, fan it's a non-race guy it's really great it's so good but i'm just rifling through them and it's just kind of in and out as opposed to man, I can't wait for next week, and and that's that's something. Do you, do you, how do you combat that? Do you you can't? I guess there is really. no. It's it's finished, and you're watching the decimation of it happen. I mean, the truth is, new systems are good, right? It creates more opportunity. But what happens is, and I was just having this talk with some. You know, I'm not. I don't really. I'm. I live in Austin. Like I love acting, but I'm kind of really stiff on the whole business. Like I'm away from it when I'm not working. I have kids. I have a. You know, we're moving into a ranch. Like I'm. I'm away from all of that. But my thing is, we were discussing it. Like the tenure part of the business is over. Meaning, like where 
I would feel more comfortable hiring someone and being around someone that's been in the game for a long time or been on a ton of sets or kind of knows the atmosphere, won't get overwhelmed by the moment. And because of the way it's set up now, that's irrelevant. It's completely Hmm. irrelevant. It's just what's in the moment. And what we're seeing is, I think, reflective of a lot of things is it's a disposable business more than it's ever been where it's like, oh, that was good. And then it's gone. That was good. And then it's gone. And something will trend number one, and then it's gone. And cut to a month or two later, you don't really remember it. And things right. don't have that lasting impact. That's how that, I think it's, it's that's in this business. I think that's just where we're going societally as well. Everything mm-hmm. is so fast paced that we're always moving on to the next thing. You know what I mean? There's nothing that holds anymore. Nothing that sticks. You know, I I could I could probably go do a porn. I could do a porno and probably then get hired by Scorsese. (laughs) It it won't even fucking matter. He's edgy. He's edgy. You know? Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and it's and there's so many different platforms. There's so much content now. Six hundred and something scripted shows on television. That's crazy. Think about that. That is crazy. You know, and then. And then you're just, and then you're subject to whatever the business side of things are, especially in network television. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I'm, I've been a victim of that a lot. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. complaining. I've had a great career and I've done a lot mm-hmm. of network TV and it's been amazing. But at the same time, it really has nothing to do with the content. It has nothing to do whether it's good or bad. I feel like we're just a widget. It's like, oh, do you fit into this? Oh, yeah, you do. Okay, we'll take a chance. You know, it's like it's like I tell my sons, right? There's three things I tell my sons. They're about to be six and four, right? And they're like mm. little wildlings from from Game of Thrones, like long hair, just <laughs> wild, just completely mm. wild. You know, they just doing jujitsu and choking each other, and like they're just crazy, and I love it. And they're yeah. just wild, but they. What I tell them is, patience is power. Listening is love. If you can open your mouth, you can open your ears. This is what I tell Mm -hmm. them every day, right? And Mm -hmm. I say this to them all the time. And what I mean by patience is power, I'm like, we have lost what I've seen. And again, I never give opinions because I always say opinions give you adversaries. I just give from experiences like patience is gone on every level. Baseball, which, you know, one of the greatest sports ever on the planet, like the ability to just sit and not be on your phone to enjoy mm-hmm. the game, to take in everything, to do that live, to smell, can't do that anymore. To watch it, pro, you know, as my, as my uh, nana used to say, a program, to watch a program on TV <laughs> right. and not go to your phone is virtually impossible to not mm. be in multiple places at once. And I'm trying so hard, I think, to fight against that. So my example to them is to fight against it. Like to just... Because I hope that we're going the other way. And this is why so, we're, you know, living so on So where are you at, though, with your kids and, uh, and, and screens and phones and tech? No, none. I mean, they're too young for any of that. So they don't, yeah. they, if they get an iPad, if like it's dire, meaning mm-hmm. like, you know, my wife needs to do something or I need to do something. But not to be, I don't want to say like, because I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Everybody needs to do what they need to do. But my wife works as well and she works a lot and I'm gone a lot. I'm never here. So what happens is they watch movies and 
what they've become at a very young age, which is super appealing to me and maybe to my influence is 80s kids. They love the Goonies. They love Ghostbusters. They love, yeah. you know, old G.I. Joe cartoons, yeah. Mask. They're Those watching, like, my, they love, that's they my love era. that. Yeah, me too. They love yeah. that stuff. So it's it's a little bit more story oriented, even though you're like, wow, that was kind of the monster squad. They watched the other day and I was like, there was some risky stuff going on there. You know, I'm going to tell you. And I so I have older daughters that are 24 and 21. And then these two little boys that are three, the 24 and 21, they watch Disney Channel. And I watched the Disney Channel evolve from something that I was like, I was never worried about what they were learning on the Disney Channel to by the time they were in their teenage years. There is some shit on the Disney Channel. I'm like, if if my kids acted like those little brats acted on that show, <laughs> I, I wouldn't let them come out of their room. And it, it became, it pushed everything. Like, there is no real wholesome programming for little kids anymore, unless you go back to, like, that old stuff. And and I don't feel like it's get-off-my-lawn time. I feel like that's that's real. Everything has got this edge to it or somehow people don't think it sells. I, I it's right. frustrating. And, and the GI Joe thing, like they teach a lesson at the end. And yes, mm -hmm. I know that there are guns, but they're lasers. And like, I try to tell my kids, we don't use, even though, you know, I'm not, I have nothing against guns, but we call them blasters because they're young. I'm like, Hey, they got blasters. And like, I'm just trying to kind of like move them into this space. And again, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I just yeah. know that I'm for me, what I'm trying to do with my sons is I want to introduce them to the world, but I was caught for a moment when they were, when, especially when the first one was born, we were living in New York and I got caught in that moment where I was like, I want my kids to grow up like me. And then I went, no, I don't. Why would I want my kids to grow up like me? That's terrible. That's not the point of this. The mm -hmm. point is for them to grow up different, not better, different, experience different things so I can give them what I know and then they could build upon that in a different environment, so we can combine life lessons. But how much so is your how much how, how much is your upbringing? How much does your upbringing influence the way that you parent your boys? I fight against it every minute. You do every minute. Yeah, I fight. Just I didn't because have a father. Be, okay, I didn't have a father. You know, I um, I. Meaning, I meaning didn't you get, didn't get you. you he didn't was know gone. Your dad? No, he, he left. Was, so. He left when I was young, and he just okay. wasn't supposed to be a dad. He wasn't mm -hmm. a bad guy. He just wasn't supposed to be a dad. There are a lot of people that get married and have kids who aren't supposed to. He just got in a lot of trouble with mm -hmm. the law and all this stuff that happened to him. And then he just was gone. And then I found out he died on the internet in 2009 when I was doing no. Sons. Yeah. I checked because I oh went to God. look for him. I was doing Sons. Some article had come out about me and I was like, I had done enough guest stars and enough stuff that I was like, this guy's got to know. Like, he's got to mm -hmm. know, I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I can't. One of my friend's father had passed away and he had been distant from him. And he had a really hard time with it when he passed. And I said, life's too short, man. This shit's over in a blink. I was like, I'm not. I, I, I got to go in. I got to, like, give him a. And I tried and I couldn't get him. And then I uh, called a friend who was a detective. And um and he gave me these ways to get personal records. And I was sitting there. I'll never forget. It was a, a night before shooting. I was up late. Um, and I found it on the internet that he passed. And I was like, oh, shit. And it was kind of one of those moments. But 
I'm, I got weird belief systems as in, I think that things need to happen for you to be pushed a certain way. Like if they don't happen, you might not do certain things. So Mm -hmm. I needed all of that to happen or I wouldn't be here in this moment. Right. So the Mm -hmm. way I funnel that into my boys is I'm trying to be the best father without letting any of the trauma of a natural, like I naturally like to be alone, right? Like I'm a loner Mm -hmm. at heart. You could put me anywhere. You could take everything. You could do whatever. I'm good. I'm good. Like I don't need anything. And that in itself is tough. And we all know this in a family situation because you have to give more than half of yourself, almost all Mm -hmm. of yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're in the bathroom for maybe three minutes longer or the shower for two minutes longer. And you're just trying to absorb minutes where you can. You pull up to park and you're like, let me just answer this one email before I go in there. Because once you go in, it's on. Mm. So I'm trying to, I think about it all the time because we're so incredibly influenced by the things that happen to us when we're young, even subconsciously, the stuff we don't know. And that's the stuff that I think about all the time, bad or good, by the way, bad yeah. or good, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that's and then it's interesting just, what do we you say that because it's about breaking patterns too, you know? I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast a bunch, but my dad, who I have a bit of a relationship now, you know, because of a certain circumstance, but he, he, he disappeared for a while, you know? Um, but at the same time, he didn't have much of a shot given the fact that his dad left him. Mm-hmm. When my dad was five years old in the middle of the night, I wanted to break that pattern. Like I made a decision in my twenties way before I had, well, before I had kids that I just didn't want to be that kind of a father, you know, and now I almost overcompensate and now I've almost attached my sense of well being to my children. And That's now right. I fucking go crazy when I might not be there for something. And I have this overwhelming feeling of dread that I'm abandoning them, even though it's completely irrational. Cause I am yes. so present you know, so and you got to give yourself a break on that. So that's where that's where the kicker is. Right. So for me, I just keep like I tell them, you know, I, you know, I tell them all the time, you didn't come to this earth. You came from this earth. We're like all one. We're all part of this. Like I need you guys as much as you need me and they need me as much as I need them. And we're all reflections and not to get all esoteric, but I don't exist if another person doesn't see me and I don't see another like it's this whole thing. Right. So with them. I look at it all now of like, if I didn't make these drastic changes throughout my existence, if I didn't stay in the pocket, that's what I tell them a lot. Stay in the pocket, stay in the box. Like, don't come out. Like, eventually the pitch will come. Like, just stay there, stay there, mm-hmm. stay there. And what I do is, if I didn't make all these adjustments, I wouldn't even have them. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't live in Austin. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to do the work that I do because it's about consistency. And I look at that as the same with being a dad. I'm not perfect by no means, by no means. You know, sometimes I, I try to maybe overcompensate of like, I don't, if I see them doing something, I'm like, man, they're just like, my three-year-old looks at me sometimes. And I think that he's saying like, Hey dad, I'm just three. Like, I'm free. Like, like take it easy. Like, why are you talking to me? Like we're 37 years old. Because <laughs> right. I'll be like, I don't understand why you did that. Tell me what, like, yeah. explain that to me. Why would yeah. you, you walked in there and then you grabbed that and I told you not to, and then you put it back and then you came out and lied to me about it. Why would you do that? And like on the third word, he lost me. He's like, yeah. <laughs> 
No, it's so funny you say that. I've always done that, but I've stayed consistent with that speak. Because I'm like, look, I'm just going to talk to them as an adult, you know, yep. almost with that adult speak, and eventually they'll catch up. But now they'll get they'll get used. <laughs> you know to why it. though? I you, you and I have said this a lot, Oliver, on on podcast past. But you know why? And I think we all three do it, and we're learning that about Theo now. I feel like the parents that I know that have done the baby talk, like and treated them like little kids when they were little kids, they never break out of it. And never. and and even when the kids are like. 14, 15, 16, wait till your friends and, and your ki- you, the kids, your friends, and those that are still doing the, hey, babe, hey, darling, mm-hmm. hey, blah, blah. And, and it just doesn't ever, and it becomes almost fake conversation. Like, g- give me, I'd rather have a real conversation with my three-year-old, even if it's a little bit above his, you know, pay grade, and, and, and push him a little bit to understand what the hell I'm talking about, then talk to him like, I'm Barney without the purple dinosaur costume. And then all of a sudden he's an adult and I'm still talking to him like I'm Barney. And, and I, (laughs) and I see that with friends of mine and it's a phony way of communicating with your kids. Oh yeah. I I called, I talked to my kid. Well, you don't know anything going on in their lives because you're talking to them like they're still four. And, and, and I, I feel like talking to them like adults when they're young pays off when they get a little bit older. Trust me, I've been there. Isn't it? And if you think about it, isn't it like what we're what we want from everyone in our life? Isn't it just another form of bullshit? Like this is the big problem that I have and and what has happened to me. And I think we all know this is like when I get with people, when I'm when I'm around people, I'm like, let's just like, let's remove the fear. Let's remove the veil. Like, let's just be honest with each other. Whatever this is, let's let's talk for real or let's not talk at all. Like, I'm not here for the small talk, you know, Mm -hmm. like one or the other. And that's the way I look at it with my kids. Like, why would I take them down a road? And again, just my thing. Not has not. I'm never given any totally. advice. It's just my thing. Why would I take them down a road of something that's eventually going to change? I'm going to talk to them now the way I speak to them. You want a napkin? Go grab it. It's right in front of you. Get up. Yeah. Grab it. Like yeah. don't. I'm not going to go. Oh, here you go, buddy. Or hey, buddy, go and grab that. No, go grab it. It's right there. And that's the way I. My thought process is like it's coming anyway. So, but at the same time, I let them know repeatedly, I'm never going anywhere, even if I'm not here. Like, I'm always here for you. Like, no matter what. And that family first and like, we are the ones together. I'm not going to do what my dad did. I'm not going to, like, I waited on the steps, you know, when he used Mm -hmm. to come for the weekend and not show up. You know, I've been there. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. That's never going to happen. If you like conversations with talented actors like today's episode with Theo Rossi, check out one of our past episodes, like our conversation with John Stamos, where we discuss everything from parenting to Disneyland to hair care and so much more. You know, because I just I don't watch sports ever. And, yeah. and but I sort of so I started studying Bobby Knight. My character throws a chair and he gets kicked out of the NCAA and. I have to sort of work my way back up at an all-girls private high school in Laguna. And mm. I go in just coaching them as I coach the boys, you know. Um, I uh, I watched a lot of tapes. And then a friend of mine said, hey, you know, I'm friends with Jerry West. Uh, he's a really cool guy. You want to talk to him? I was like, great. Talk and you guys probably know him. And he said, you want to come down to a, uh, you want to come hang out? And I said, "Is because the, the season hadn't started yet. I said, oh, you guys are having a rehearsal? And he said, we call it practice, John. But, um... <laughs> 
Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this short break with more from today's guest, Theo Rossi. Let me ask you a question, though. Let me ask you a question because you said you, you work your ass off, which you do, and uh, you're not there a lot, you know, because you're, you're, you're doing what you love to do and you're putting mm-hmm. food on the table and all that. I mean, does that take its toll on you at all? Do you have any guilt there? Because, you know, I know as an actor, I, I, I do. I mean, I've had to go fucking on antidepressants because I was in Nashville yeah. for two years, flying back and forth, just had my third daughter and losing my mind, yeah. you know? Yeah, I'm about to stop microdosing soon. Um, a yeah. psilocybin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I feel like you two came out of the same womb. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I just, know. Hey, listen, I just, I'm starting next week. Let's see what happens. Um, no, it's, there, that's a whole other topic of conversation with, with, that we can get into. Into, but I, I'm yeah. with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> no, here's my thing with that. I, when I, this was something that my wife and I met through my work. I was doing Sons. I had gone over to Iraq and Kuwait to visit the visit the troops, visit the vets, and I was over there. We went to Balad Air Force Base, and my wife was doing PR for a military campaign, and she got to know me when I was doing Sons. And when I was doing Sons, I was in it. Like I couldn't have been more in it. And what I mean by that was we were best friends. We're all still best friends and brothers. We all still talk every day, every week. We're all on these group chats. This is many years later. We rode together. We hung together. We knew that what we were doing was a once in a lifetime thing. And it had, it had really taken over my life. That show was like going to acting college for me. And it taught me that if I was going to do this, I, I would have to do many things different. So what I mean by that is when I, when I approach characters, it's all about that moment. It's all about what I'm doing because I don't want to leave anything on the field. Like I don't want to, I want to make sure that I have no regrets from what it is. So where that gets tricky, I was just away doing that, the show for Netflix with Kevin them for three months. I had lost 40 something pounds. I was locked in a hotel and I couldn't leave because of COVID. They wouldn't let me leave. I was not allowed to fly back to Austin. I was there. Mm. It serviced the character so well, but at the same time, it was super hard for my wife and my kids. But what I made a point was FaceTime twice a day. And what I had to do is write on a, write on a thing this time will be FaceTime this time. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't just pop up and then we'd all adjust to that time. So I can eat at a certain time because I was on a schedule of eating and like we can, it was super rigid of what we were doing, but so's a kid's schedule. My sons are, you know, 7.30 bath time, this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. So my wife, because of our history of how we met was very aware because we had that conversation early where I was like, listen, this business is super hard. It's so hard. It's unpredictable. It's filled with nefarious characters and activities. And it's a weird place. If I don't give it my all in every shot I get, I'm doing myself a disservice because I have certain things I want to do in this business. Mm. She was super accommodating and still is. I mean, I'm about to leave for another month and a half and we're literally moving in two days. That's the mm. worst time to leave. So mm. I, she's amazing with it. And um, I, I give so much credit to her because she's just, she's a workhorse. So you're, but you're able to sort of compartment, not compartmentalize, but given that you had your experience with your dad and whatever mm-hmm. that did to you 
consciously or subconsciously. And I can only speak to you because I feel like I have a similar situation. For sure. And I do have guilt sometimes when it comes to leaving my family. I just got a call from my agent yesterday. Would you be willing to do a TV series out of the country? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's some talk. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Can I call yeah. you back? Like, Jesus, man, I don't know. But do you do you have any guilt? Are you able to just say, look, this is what I do. And uh, yeah. I feel good about it. No, I mean, I, I, I have this weird look. Time is irrelevant to me. I know that mm-hmm. sounds crazy. Like time is kind of what you make it, right? So when I come home, like currently right now, I'm the first one up, 5.30, whatever it is in the morning, the dog's handled. I go for my runs. I come back. I'm giving the, making the kids breakfast. I'm with them. I'm getting them out of bed. I take them to school. I pick them up from school. I'm giving them Mm -hmm. their showers or their baths, right? Like when I'm here, it's me. It's Mm -hmm. all me. And then when I'm gone, so I can, I have to overcompensate in in the the time when I'm here. And when I say time becomes irrelevant, it's like I'm almost earning bank money, like points Mm -hmm. because I'm leaving, if that makes sense. And if I'm all in when I'm here, how great is that, right? If I'm all in. And how are you, yeah, yeah totally. And, and how are your boys? Sorry, Joe, real quick. Yeah. How are your boys when you leave? You know, when you're like, all right, dad's out. They understand. Like I've taught them like the, the, the way this works, like, you know, the way it works and the way of what I do. And I try to explain to them and they understand that, like, I'm trying to teach them very young, you know, it's very odd growing up. I'm born, you know, in 75 and it's very an eighties, nineties kid. Like you don't, no one taught you if someone was gone or they were at work, it wasn't like, why? Well, if you, we go to work and there's money and then we buy this that you like, like they under, they're starting to understand mm. the process, right? Yeah. Of like why this happens. No one ever explained that to me. Yeah, great they, point. Yeah. So I'm explaining why things happen. And I think, you know, if you know why things happen, they're easy to experience, even for young kids. This is going to be a long-winded setup, but Oliver's used to that. So <laughs> where, where you benefit, and I'm sure you've thought about it, maybe you haven't, but just to throw this out there, is for somebody whose wife has dealt with veterans, mm-hmm. for you have, having been overseas and been around that atmosphere, it's got, you're around that where people are leaving home for extended periods of time and there's an understanding there. You're not getting shot at. You're you're mm-hmm. laughing with Kevin Hart or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. But but you have something built in. And I think most importantly, your wife has something built in where you've seen it around you. And people are actually shoving off and leaving for extended, extended periods of time in other foreign lands. Don't know what's coming their way. And so you have to benefit, I, I would think, a little bit of being able to say, well, if they can do it, we can do it. We're strong. We, we can handle this. And this is what needs to happen for, for me to have the career I want to have. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible observation. But at this, at, 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 this is what I'll say. I think knowledge of anything of other people's circumstance is only beneficial to you. Like, like learning about what every 
even things like you wouldn't think about, right? Like lawyers who work all the time or this, that, you know, it's athletes who are doing this or whatever. I want to know everybody's situation so it can benefit me where it comes with the, with the vets and the military and the active, you know, men and women that I've been around. I'll never forget. I was at a Sergeant major's house up at um, Fort hood and he would tell me that his wife would stop talking to him for like a week before he would go downrange. And he was like, every time she would just stop. Mm. And mm. like, we wouldn't talk for the last week. And then I'd go and I'd just kiss her and I'd go. And I was like, wow, that's terrible. <laughs> and he was <laughs> like, no, that was her way of handling what was happening right now. By no means, because I have the utmost respect because I've been there and I've seen it and I've been to, I think I've been to every base in the United States, you know, uh, talking and, and hanging wow. out, you know, sons was a giant show for the men and women in the military. And it, and it, the greatest compliment I've ever gotten in my life was like, Hey man, it got me through my deployment. And it's like, my God, you can't, you mm. really can't, you can't hear something better as these people are in life or death situations. And like a TV show is making them feel happy going back to base and doing whatever. Right. And, and you can never hope is the, the is a currency that can't be measured. Right. So I, what I, what I learned is that like people do things because they have to, right? And you do it for whatever your reasoning is to do it. I absolutely love to act. I love between action and cut. I can't stand anything else after that, right? I, I literally think the rest of it is complete nonsense. Silly is what I say. Everything between action and cut is why I'm doing it, right? Paul Newman used to say, they don't pay me, they don't pay me to act, they pay me to wait, right? Like everything else is nonsense in, in, in the business. Um, but I love that so much. And the people who love me, my family and my friends, know I love that. And because I love that, they love that, right? So it's like, I constantly am, what do they love? Like, what do they love? And then I want to make sure that is what I'm giving them. And I'm just, I'm super aware. And it's probably why I have such a small circle. I'm super aware of what everyone around me loves. And I try to benefit that. So what I've learned from vets is that I had a, I had a seal who was staying in my house, um, when I was living in LA in Eagle Rock and I'll never forget, he stayed with me for like a week. And we went to Starbucks to get coffee early in the morning. This is years and years ago. And he said, um, I don't know how you do it, man. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he goes, I don't, I don't know how you, I am freaking out right now. He said, my heart is racing. And he said, but when I'm hanging off the side of a ship or jumping out of a helo and like in the dark with a dog, like he used to jump with the dogs and stuff. He goes, I'm at like 38 beats per minute. He goes, but this, this is madness. He's and he's a guy who would rather be meaning down people range. coming up to you and saying, just, "Hey, no, just just the way it is." He's like, "This is a tactical disaster. Like anything can happen. No one's watching your back. <laughs> you know, like you don't know. Like this is anything can happen." And I've seen that multiple times. I was with uh, um, one of my guys, uh, Econ, and we were in New York, and he was just looking up. And he was like looking up and uh, he's a, a master chief in, uh, in the Navy. And he was like literally looking up and being like, hey, you can't live here. And I was like, these guys are seeing things on a different level of like, so they're comfortable when they're downrange, when they're with their teams, when they're with their people that they know have their back. 
So I took that and I went, wow, that's funny. I'm super comfortable between action and cut. I'll do anything. There's nothing that can't happen. I'll go anywhere. I'll try anything. I'll do whatever. But in normal conversations, not so much. I kind of don't really know what's going on. We're not all there for the same reason. Somebody might have an agenda. You know, there's Mm -hmm. things that are going on. So I think why I hang out with so many, uh, you know, vets and and active guys and, and women and like I'm around so much of it is because it's no bullshit. Like, it's just honest. It's funny you say that, dude, because honestly, you have a lot to say and you're extremely philosophical and um, you think differently, you know? Mm -hmm. So for you to sort of not necessarily be uncomfortable, but sort of don't know what to say or between action and cut, that's almost surprising because you... You you do have a gift of gab. You you do. Yeah. You're extremely articulate and have so much to talk about. I think I think because I I've seen so much and I'm I'm more aware of it than ever that most people are acting out of fear. If that means like literally like they're talking to you out of fear. Like the first thing they'll say is a bit. Oh man, I'm sorry, man. I I gained so much weight re- recently, and I'm like, okay. What is that? Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just cool. I wasn't even thinking that. You know, it's like they're they're immediately on coming defense. out of fear. Yeah, you know they're on I mean? defense. Yeah. They're on defense. And it's like, we're just, like, we're just people. We're just doing it. Like, let's just do it and be cool. And like, we all have our things, right? And it's like, I feel that one-on-one, everybody's cool if they just get rid of the madness. Now we're mm-hmm. in a business, all of us in one way or another, whether you, t- however you tie it, the entertainment business through athletics, through Hollywood, through whatever, where we meet many, many people that should be the happiest things in the world. They should so successful. They're so whatever. And they're so insecure and they're mm-hmm. so having such a tough time and they're so whatever. And you're just like, this is wild, right? What mm-hmm. people think and what people don't know. And so I've, I think I've just become more over the recent years where I'm like, I love my family. I love my kids. I love my friends that I get to really be down with and like be cool and really talk that talk. And then I'm like, I'm good with everyone else. So then what are the stresses in your life? Where does your anxiety come from if you have any? What are your shortcomings? I'm, I've finally accepted the fact that like I'm okay with dying. I don't want to mm-hmm. go to the major extreme. Like I'm, I used to not be okay with that. Like I'm totally okay with like, cool. I'm not scared of it at all. Where my shortcomings come is that I want to do so many things before I go, like so many things before I leave whatever this is going down, mm-hmm. um, that I'm in a rush to do it. And sometimes I don't enjoy the moment I'm in because I feel like if I take my foot off the gas, Mm. that I might miss something, right? And that, like I run every day, no matter what. No matter what, I'm running five to eight miles every single day, no matter what. That's not necessarily a good thing, right? Sometimes my wife is like, hey, can we just like chill out or do it? And I'm like, Mm. nope, gotta go running. Have to do it, have to. Because if I don't do it that one day, like maybe, maybe, you know, then maybe something. So I'm very meticulous in, staying in the pocket, like we said earlier. Mm -hmm. So I think my biggest shortcoming would be, I want to do so much. And sometimes I am seeing something 
a little further down the road when there's something kind of right in front of it. And I'm like, Oh Mm -hmm. wait, I just pushed past you like George Costanza and Seinfeld when the stuff's on fire, where Mm -hmm. I should have like literally just stopped. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) If you're enjoying this episode of daddy issues, don't keep it to yourself. Share the love and tell a friend about daddy issues and go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss the rest of our conversation with Theo Rossi coming up right after this short break. You, you, you have clearly found the right partner. You found a strong woman. And I'm assuming that for a kid that was born in 75 in New York, yeah. when New York was really different than it is now. Yeah. And a guy whose father was not there, you could have you could have really gone down a bad path. And somebody, so, you did go down that path. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like how, I dealt how drugs. Dark. I dealt. I didn't start acting until I was twenty four. I was convinced that I wanted to. I wanted to be the biggest and best drug dealer in New York State. That was my goal. The whole state, I, forget Manhattan, I, yeah, forget, the whole state. forget Staten Island. <laughs> I want to know, forget, like I, wasn't upstate, even, I wasn't even really Albany. dealing in Staten Island. Well, that harkens, yeah. that harkens back to what you just said, where it's like, yeah. you know, just more, more, more. I'm always yeah. looking forward. Fuck Manhattan. I just wanted, I wanted state. to be, no matter what I do, if I'm swiffering the house, I want to like get every single hair. Like I want <laughs> the best, like I'm going for it no matter what. And when it came to what I was doing, and again, I never, ever glorify it because it was the silliest thing I've ever done in my life, but it was the only thing I knew how to do. So how'd it you was, get out? It, I just stopped. I, I, just I stopped. had gotten, yeah, there was a moment. There's always a moment. There's a moment that you get shown like um, you get shown like a slider in life. And it's like sometimes they're really apparent. And it's like, hey, you're going to see this. This is the which we're showing you. Right. We've given you little signs. But like, here it is. Like, if you want to go against this, just know that there might be real problems. But mm-hmm. here it is. And I looked at it and I went, OK, it's time. Mm. It's, th- it's time. And I, and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was 22 years old. Were you scared to die back then? Yeah. Frightened. Deadly frightened. It wasn't until mm. recently that I, that I became... Um, it wasn't until I got to know what I want and who I am. Uh, okay. Uh, this is good for me personally. <laughs> how, where, what, how did that moment come to you? Because I'm not saying that I'm daily afraid of death, but it definitely um, hinders a lot of the things that I w- would do in my life. And it's on my mind, especially now that I have kids. It's less yeah. about me dying. It's more about what are, what are these children going to do without me? Mm-hmm. You know, how did you get to that place? The ultimate you gotta freedom. You got to go down honestly. the rabbit hole. You, you got to go down the rabbit holes. You got to go which, to the things that you don't want to think about. All of <laughs> right. them. I mean, the one, the one of like, what is it, right? What are we so mm-hmm. scared of? We celebrate birth, but we f- cry about death. It's kind of weird, right? You don't remember mm-hmm. waking up. Do you think you're going to remember going to sleep? Like, it's just, it is like, it is what it is. And if you look at the, you know, the law of thermodynamics, like energy cannot be created or destroyed, right? It mm-hmm. can only be moved. So you can't, mm-hmm. if you really think about it, I'm a product of loss. I've lost so many people in my life, but are they really gone? I think about them all the time. They're always around me. 
right? And again, mm-hmm. not to get all weird and like esoteric where the fear went away was it is what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. just like you're going to go to sleep at one point, mm-hmm. if not tonight, maybe in two nights, if you force yourself to stay up, you're going to die. Yeah. And if you just say like, it's coming, no, just like I tell people in Hollywood, no one gets out of this business alive. And everybody's like, what do you mean? I say, no one gets out of life. You're going to come out disgruntled. You're going to come out broke. You're going to come out angry. You're going to come out something because the business eats you up. What you have to do is you have to force yourself to do what Paul Newman did, to go back to him where it's a job. That's a job, even if it's a bigger job than other jobs. It's still just a job. It's just a mm-hmm. job that you get in a paycheck for and you go home and that's it. And if you make it anything bigger than that, you're, you're doomed. So when it came to like, when I was looking at death, I think that, you know how like shamans become shamans by being alone for three months in the woods and the whole bit. You have to truly spend time with yourself. We don't spend time with ourselves anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't like go for a walk and put in AirPods, but don't put anything on and talk to yourself. Like it sounds nuts, but no one does that. Mm-hmm. Where, especially when you're in these bigger jobs where everyone's calling you at all times. You're always around. You're always looking at things. You're always trying to be better. You know, you're a perfectionist. You're this. So you have to put yourself into this forced exile in a way, even if it's after everybody in the house goes to sleep, to ask yourself these tough questions. And I was able to do that after... I saw a lot of things revealed to me in my life. Like I watched people and I went, mm, man, this is crazy. There's two underlying themes. People come from fear or love. I watch my kids. It's all out of love. Everything's out of love. I watch my dogs. It's all out of love. Like they, they mm-hmm. just love me. They just want to be loved. They're not, my dog, my dogs never go to bed stressed at night. They don't have anxiety. Mm-hmm. They just live in the moment. They yeah. stay in the pocket. My kids don't go to bed with stress, right? They're too young. They're just in the moment. They get up and they want to do this. They do that. They want to do this. So I've kind of gone back to that mindset. And it took a lot of work because before- Do you have a a practice? Do you have a a practice? No. No no spiritual practice, no meditation, nothing. No, my thing is like, I want to know, I want to know about everything. I want to know I want to know about every religion which I study all of them. I want to know about every spiritual practice. I want to study every mystic, every practitioner. I want to study because if I take a little I have understanding of people and I see them what works for me and this is why I go back to opinions of the silliest things in the world because it's your opinion for you. <laughs> Everyone's different. That's why parents, if you ever think about like, you know, my mom who raised a kid, raised kids alone, mm-hmm. I can't take her parenting advice. It's mm-hmm. different than the way I would parent. I, while I appreciate it and I might get a crumb from it, I can't use it. So, so, but I can listen to it. So um, that's where I'm at is like ingesting all of it and then molding my journey here if you want to you know sound like a yeah. weird you know whatever no my 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 trip my thing yeah well so i have boys two boys 
just this idea of raising boys right now, what discipline might look like nowadays, the coddling of, of, of our children, which that's my own, again, opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just masculinity. These are a lot of themes, but I just want to get your opinion on that. You know, how yeah, are we great dealing with to this up. today? Yeah. You know, ma- kids, masculinity, what that all means, yeah. how you raise your boys. So my boys have long hair, like past their yeah. shoulders, right? And um, I love it, right? They're like little Conans, right? They're just like mm-hmm. running around. One's, one's, you know, they just look so different. One's my wife, one's me. And they're, they're just, they're like little savages. Like they just run mm-hmm. around. They love it, right? And here's the problem. Kids at school, people come up to them and go, what's your daughter's name? Or, you know, what's this, right? And now the, the six-year-old is picking up on it. So he says, um, I want short hair like everyone else. But two weeks ago, it was everybody loves my hair. Now it's they telling me looks like a girl. So how do I handle that as a father? And I said, so what's wrong with that? I said, look at your mom. She's the strongest person in the world. What's wrong with mm-hmm. being a girl? What's wrong with this? Now, I'm not saying it in a way of like any type of gender thing, but what's, what's the problem? What does that make you feel? Why do you want to cut your hair? Do you want to cut your hair for you? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to cut your hair for them? And he's like, I just want to be like everyone else. And I said, no, 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 you don't. No, you don't. And I know that he's a little too young, you know, for the Kurt Cobain quotes of, you know, I laugh at them. They laugh at me, whatever, because I'm different. And I laugh at them because mm-hmm. they're all the same. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, I, I try to teach him that difference is good. Right. Like, and if it's in his symbolized in his hair and that's going to start a conversation, it's great because now I can start that conversation. Right. So every time my wife takes them to get haircuts, I'm like, don't do it. Don't cut it off. Like, let them have it. Let them have it. Let them deal with everything that comes with that because it starts conversations for them and how they can now start their emotions where my other son, Arlo, my three-year-old is like, I'm a warrior. I love my hair long. I'm a warrior. Right. Cause he's three and he hasn't mm-hmm. had the ridicule of the kids in class yet. So again, this is something that I'm dealing with literally this morning. I had this talk on the way to school and all I'm saying to them is you do what you want to do, but make sure it's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Not what someone's telling you. And my six-year-old is processing it. And he's like, okay, what you want, don't have the haircut like your friend, whatever, in school or this guy have, or, or that person. Have it what you want to have. And now he thinks about it. He goes, you know what? I like my long hair. And I'm like, great. Mm-hmm. And when you want to change it, we won't. So masculinity, when we go to that, that's a silly term because – as someone who was in a house raised by all women, I think it's the greatest benefit I've ever had in my life because mm-hmm. I, I think it's presumptuous to, I've always thought it's presumptuous when people talk about sexuality and masculinity and all this kind of stuff, because it's something that like, it's like everybody wants to box everybody. How do you know someone's experience? How do you know what they've thought about in their private moments? How do you know what they feel? And it's like, This is something I've dealt with my whole life where everybody's like, they just try, they need to put a box on something or a label on something. What's too masculine? What's too feminine? What's too this? What's too that? And it's, it's kind of, it's only to play towards who's ever 
making the conversations narrative that they have in their head. Again, so it's it's just for me, it's like my kids are gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna exist as a family. It's not for anybody else, right? And and for me, it's the same way to say that you know, uh, whatever, if somebody wants to make an assumption about me in any way, that's crazy because you don't really know me. You're making an assumption. So again, this goes back to masculinity and all that is something that I think came after, you know, World War II and a lot of things. And there were ways that, and there's benefits and there's all this kind of stuff, but society's always changing. That's an amazing thing. That's incredible. So mm-hmm. my kids get to grow up in a place where they're going to do what they want. As long as they're good people, as long as they're like literally know what's going on and they're good people, that's all I care about. I was yeah. going to say, Theo, that I need you to come raise my kids, but I'm kind of thinking <laughs> you might need to come here and raise me <laughs> as a father. <laughs> that was so well handled by you with your sons that um you know you you left it it became they took ownership of it 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 became their moment to make a decision and really look inside and see what they wanted as opposed to what they were being told they wanted i mean that comes within i mean there are boundaries to that you can't just you know there are societal restrictions there for for the betterment of everybody else you can't just go to school and like light the building on fire but 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 within that your own decisions are, you know, I, it's so smart that you handled it that way. And I'm, I'm just taken by a guy who grew up the way you grew up. This, this is, that's a really forward thinking way of parenting your kids. Where, where in the hell did you get the experience or the idea to go about it that way? Breaking things down. My goal, my, my, for me to be the best at my job, is I have to break down human thought process at all times. Why am I doing something? Why is that person doing something? If I'm playing this character and I've played some of the most, you know, in what society would deem, you know, things that I, where I've had to take my own life, right. Where I've had to take other people's life, where I've been, you know, depressed, where I've been homicidal, where I've been suicidal, like all the stuff that I've had to play, Um, where I've been a dad, where I've been a a drug dealer, where I've been this. So it's like, if I'm going to truly get into the skin of this, I have to learn human behavior. And the one common thread through all of it is breaking things down. So let's walk. Let's walk. That's what I always tell them. Let's walk. Okay. Hold on. Let's walk. What is this? What are we doing? What's going on? Why are you mad? Well, this, no, hold on. Why? And then we walk, let's walk. But the thing is, is we're in such a rush that we don't walk. So I want to walk things at all times. And I, I really do believe that it came from what I do for a living and what we all do. But I think it came from just being pretty thoughtful of others and experiences and not, how do I say this? My first reaction is sometimes really good. It really is like sometimes your gut reaction to things is really good, but I still need to walk it down. I need to go. Okay. So I try to do that with my children where I'm like, let's break this down because emotion while great for me is not necessarily, it's not helpful. So again, when it comes to playing characters, 
I like playing off characters, meaning that if he's angry, sometimes I laugh. If he's sad, I don't necessarily cry. I get angry, right? Because they, so it's like, but people fall into these plot holes of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And if you do that with your kids, your kids are angry over something. And if it's over nothing, well, let's apologize. Let's hug it out. Let's have this conversation. Listening is love. You know, patience is power. Let's have this. And then let's move on. And I think that, again, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I just know that it's right for us. It seems to be working where they have extreme, they're very thoughtful of others. They have they have really good manners for young kids, like really good. Um, and they want to explore things. They ask about things all the time. They're seekers like I am. And, and that's, I say to them all the time, I say, if I wish you one thing, I said, if daddy leaves tomorrow, I said, here's the one thing I wish upon you is awareness. Be aware of everything. Be aware of the other people in front of you. Be aware of your own feelings. Be aware of everyone around you. And awareness is going to make you a better person. But if you're not aware, if you know those people, right? You hold the door for someone. They just keep walking. You're like, okay, mm -hmm. thank you. You're welcome, right? There's just mm -hmm. no awareness. There's just no awareness. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, it's like yeah. you're getting off an elevator and someone's yeah. getting on. You're like, really, guy? Come yeah, on, right? Man. Just yeah. give me like, be aware that someone <laughs> right. might come off. Right. That I'm coming <laughs> off. Right? And if you're going to get off that fast and that close to me, wear a condom. <laughs> right? You're, you're inside of me. <laughs> right. What is going on here? And that awareness of everything, I'm so aware that it drives my wife nuts because I'm aware of everything. Like, you know, she's we'll like, be with someone. Like, Theo, shut it off. Shut uh, shut it off. She's like, just enjoy it. I'm like, no, there, there's something going on here with those two. What about like, uh, what what about anger? Are you can you get hot? I mean, are you, you, you how where do you where do you is it displaced? Where do you what do you do with no, your anger? You know, everybody always tells me because in my work I can get super angry. I think that what I do in my own personal life is I get quiet. I just stop. I just stop. I'll, and what I do is I'll go, you want to talk about this? Like, what's going on? You want to talk about it? And like, that is almost worse than getting angry mm -hmm. because it's like someone's just flying all over the place, Tasmanian devil style, like just going and you're like, you done? Is this happening? Like, are we finished? Mm -hmm. And for me, I've learned to like, stop, plant my feet, stop. What's going on? What are we doing here? There's a thing that I read recently. I don't know who it was in history. And I've always thought about this. I still think about it every day is one of some leader of something. I don't want to get it wrong. So I'm not going to say, it, but he wouldn't open his mail. He would say, don't give me the mail for three weeks because whatever's in there will usually be resolved. Whatever hard thing that came through the mail. It was a leader of back in the day, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Napoleon or someone, someone horrible. Right. And I just, I used that little example and I just went, Hmm, it's really interesting. Most things resolve themselves. Mm -hmm. If we just literally, most things in the moment are so silly, Yep. but you're in it, you're in it, especially, you know, with your wife, your kid, you're in it and you go, let's just take a beat here. Let's talk about something else for a little while. Yeah. Let's revisit this. And then you come back like 20 minutes later and you go, that was kind of stupid, right? So that's that's where I'm at is I just plant my feet. I don't get angry. I get angry at myself all the time. 
my anger comes out on me is where I literally get mad at myself and, and I kick my own ass on the regular. Mm -hmm. Oliver, can you remind me to not have Michelle, my wife, Theo, listen to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) She is going to leave me so fucking fast. She's going to be like, wait, there are men out there that don't fly off the handle and go, God damn it. (laughs) I used to. I used to. I don't anymore. It's not worth it. It's so silly. It's Uh, so silly. It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen like I used to. I used to be the biggest hothead. I probably have, and again, not something I glorify. I was the first to punch. I used to love to fight when I was a kid. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing ever from when I was a kid. And it's the stupidest thing in the world. I I loved confrontation. And Mm. it was just, my friends all knew it. While we're packing up the house, I just found something when I was in high school that I guess I was... uh, when I was playing football or whatever, and everybody would write what they liked about the other person. And that was like one of the things they would write. Oh, first person to punch. Always so tough, like loves to hit people. I was like, Jesus Christ, what is this? This is horrible. (laughs) And You might want to hide that. (laughs) Right, I might want to hide that. But the thing is, is I, I had that in me. Of course, now I've redirected it into myself and into my work. And I think you can use it as fuel if you use it the other way. Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting, dude, is, is I'm the opposite. Like I, I grew up non-confrontational, didn't like confrontation, always the peacemaker. I got in my, you know, I got in some fights here and there, but I was always the guy who just did everything rolled off my back, you know? And then only in the last few years through whatever experiences that I've been going through from a psychological standpoint, mm-hmm. from work on working on myself, I have become more confrontational and Mm. like there's an anger sometimes that comes out of me now but I don't judge it I almost accept it I like it in a sense because I'm able to sort of express myself from a different place I can get over the top I mean the last podcast we had Joe's like you're fucking late and I'm like fuck yeah (laughs) losing my shit and then have to reel it they have to reel it back in but I'm I'm, I'm the flip of you you know but it feels like I'm coming in. I'm finding my voice at the age of 44, which is strange. That's amazing. Know? But the thing is, you got to lean into it. So this is what I tell people all the time now is I go, here's the other thing. Don't deny whatever you're feeling. Right. Lean into whatever you're feeling. The problem is, is that if you don't lean into what you're feeling, like let's say you feel like shit one day and you get up and you're like, man, I just feel fucking terrible. I'm, I don't feel good. I don't want to do anything. I'm mad at the world. Instead of trying to psych yourself up, just lean into it. Why? Mm. Why? Why? Why do I feel like this? What happened? And then you, if you can diagnose it somehow, then you can not maybe or mitigate it from happening again. So what mm. I say to people now is like lean into if you're in this anger phase and like you just said, it feels maybe good. You feel like you found a voice. Why? Is it because you weren't forever? Mm-hmm. And now you've had it. And this is the opposite, right? It's like people, a lot of people who replace sobriety with anger, right? Because it it, re, it raises that same adrenaline, right? Mm-hmm. Or they become massive, you know, marathon runners. Like I run a bunch of marathons and I always see like when I'm around, there's a lot of guys who have beat addiction. They're just mm-hmm. taking the addiction and funneling it into something else that they can do. That's great. 
But what you have to do is you got to lean into maybe don't treat the symptom, treat the sickness. What is going on? And that's what I'm trying to do now is like I lean into every feeling I have. I don't deny it. And I think I was really good at denying feelings for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good shit, man. One more question and we'll let you go because I'm just curious. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, when you talked about, you know, finding out that your dad passed the way you did, what was that initial feeling? You know, since you didn't have a relationship and you were on sort of a search to maybe have one, I guess. But when you read that shit, like what was that initial hit to you? Well, we did. We did stay in touch here and there. You did? Uh, yeah, here and there. <clears throat> the last time we spoke, which was really horrible. Um, I don't think I've ever said it, but I'll, I'll say it because I think it's good for people is his brother, my uncle had gotten in some trouble. And um, he, so his brother and him had a very disconnected relationship. Um, you know, apparently my birth father had stolen money from him and da, 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 da. And my birth father was the oldest and, you know, my uncle was younger and they had disconnected, but I still spoke to my uncle. I still spent Christmas with my uncle and all that. So I was living in LA and I got a phone call that my uncle had killed himself. And somebody said, you should tell your father because he's not going to know. And I said, well, I haven't really spoken to him. And they said, yeah, but you're the one with the last name and there's no one else with that last name and there's no other men in the family and da, 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 and you should tell him. So I said, all right, I'll tell him. So I'll never forget. I called him up. I was living in this like studio apartment in West Hollywood and I was wild. I was a wild, wild person back then. And um, I called him up and I said, hey. And he answered and he was remarried and all that. And um, I said, hey, I just got to tell you something. Um, Uncle John's dead. He, uh, and he goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, he, he, you know, he, um, he's gone. He, uh, he killed himself. And he's like, really? I said, yeah. And he said, you sure? I said, yeah. He said, well, if they're not sure, tell them to pick up the gun and shoot him again. I hate that motherfucker. Oh, and I just went, holy shit. Right. And I said to him, I said, listen, bud, you're talking to the wrong person now. I said, birth father or not, I will knock your fucking teeth out. I told him, I said, I don't play that game. I said, we're not doing that. You know, and we had this thing. And then his wife jumped on the phone and she was like, he's sorry. He's sick. He's this. And she said, it's the last time he spoke. Mm. That was two to three years before I found out. But I had known him as a good guy. Like he wasn't a bad guy. He just his ego. I always say ego is the death of an artist. Ego is the death of people. Like it fucks you up, right? And his ego, his unfulfilled thoughts had fucked him up. Mm. So when I found out, I wasn't regretful as in I didn't reach out to him or we didn't have a relationship. I was totally cool with that. I couldn't have played characters like Juice. I couldn't have played... Mm you know, low riders where I was having this thing with my dad. I couldn't have played all those characters if it wasn't for my relationship with him. What I felt bad for is that he died alone in this hospice thing. And like, I, after all the stuff I found out, but at the moment, it was just like, 
this, it, this sounds crazy. When it happened, I was like, this makes sense. Mm. This makes sense. This is the only way this part of the story can end. Mm. The story couldn't end with him and I like doing a road trip across the country. Like that wasn't going to be the story. You know what I <laughs> right, mean? The right, story right. was going to end this way because this is the way it was being written. And I was totally okay with that. And I'll tell you something completely weird before we go is every time before I do a take, like every time I always say a little thing to myself and it kind of locks me in, you know, you know, like just to kind of turn off the noise. Right. And I always used to say, I still say, you know, something for my uncle who was a big part in raising me. I'll be like, I love you, uncle, because he was a big part in me doing this career. Mm. And I say it under my breath to myself. And then it wasn't until recently where I now say, thank you, dad. And I say that because I know that if he didn't have his thing here, whatever went on, yep. I wouldn't be the father. Be, you know, why do I have two sons? We didn't know what we were having. We didn't know, like, come on. Like, there's just so many things. So, so um, it's all for a reason. So what I felt yeah. in that moment was I felt like, this makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Wow, man. Awesome. Very, awesome. very good. Thank cool you. I, I just, I'm blown away by this whole, <laughs> I am, I am. I feel like, I feel like less of a man. I feel like less of a No, Buck, like you're less the fucking ultimate man. I you mean, got you to, uh, remember, do you remember we met through Glazer yeah. when we were at the New Orleans Super Bowl? Yeah, and I was actually going to ask you about all that, but I, this, this, uh, we've had Glazer on here, but I, I, uh, he's the best. He is the best. And he's doing I knew great when stuff. he had hair. I knew <laughs> when he had hair. And I used to go to school in Albany. He'll tell you a story. If you ever get him, tell him to tell him the story. I had like some house that we used to store like dope in, and he stayed there in the house because like, he was up visiting Strahan. And Strahan gave him his blanket and his sheets and stuff. And he rode up, he wore like a duster and he was on like a motorcycle and he had hair. Glazer was weird looking back in the day. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> what about now? I mean, he, oh, if he, wow, if he's he, pretty weird. No. I don't know how somebody, he's all puffed up and he's on TV. Yeah. And it's like, he's how do you wide talk as he and not tall. exhale? I, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's really, <laughs> truly a but pulmonary tough as, miracle. Tough as a dollar stake. Oh, my God. Guy. I wouldn't mess with And I love, he's got the biggest heart in the world. Oh, he's and, the best. and clearly you do too. And, I, and I've always been a fan of you watching Thank you. you. Uh, but my God, man, I feel like I'm sitting here listening to you thinking you ought to do a TED talk. Like you, you, you need to be, <laughs> I'm serious. I, nah, you're, bro, you're I so evolved. You've, you've walked the wild side. You're on the, the yeah. straight and narrow. You've been crazy. You're a great dad. You're a great husband. You're a great actor. You, I mean, you're, you got it all. And I, and I know it's, it's not that easy, but no. damn, man, well done. Thank you. Oh, thank you, brother. You know, I listen, yeah. I, I appreciate you two so much and I appreciate what you're doing. And I think that, you know, listen, at the end of the day, whether it be parents, just people, whoever, like, you know, we all got our thing. We all got our things and we all got whatever and we all got our anxieties and we all got, you know, there's no one in a better position than anyone else, even though people go, yeah, right. Money and this and that. Yeah, this, that. But that's just not the case. It's mm -hmm. just not the case. We're all in one way or another, a reflection of each other. And I'm just trying to 
navigate the bet. This is all going to be over in a fucking blink, guys. Yep, like, this yep. is over in a blink. And I'm just <laughs> trying to like have the best time here and, and not have crazy ass stress and trying to surround myself with good people. So if, if, if I could just think a little more and, and be the best father and be the best husband and be the best friend, that's all I can that's do. It. I'll go to, that's it. I'll go we to didn't even happy. promote Netflix and Army of the Dead, which is strange. Yeah. yeah, that guy's a bad guy. Go watch Burt Cummings and Army of the Dead. He's a bad dude. Okay. Bad. Oh, cool. I will. I will. Yeah, go and, watch uh, it. Go watch. You're going to see a bad dude. I play a bad dude. Good. That's fun. <laughs> Good guys yeah, playing bad guy. dudes. Thanks, Theo. Yeah. Appreciate you hey, both. Thanks, right. man. Appreciate you, safe. brother. Thank all you. Right. Later, guys. All right. Later, Theo. You know, I just... I do remember meeting him, and and it, w- it wasn't just him. I think Ron Perlman was with them, and whatever. I I had no idea how evolved. How what a what a really yeah. thoughtful human being. He oh is. man, yeah, God. I, I I feel like I hijacked the interview a little bit. And I apologize. For no, that. I was just I, not very, at all. I don't feel uh, that way. Enthralled. I was on a bit of a roll, but I know you had things that you wanted to sort of talk about. I feel like the Jesus. two of you should go through like a like on a motorcycle trip across the country you can ride you can ride on the back you can just hold on to his waist <laughs> Yo, i gotta go to the bathroom now he's like just pee man just, <laughs> just pee. pee just let we're him not pee. here for very long bro just pee <laughs> just pee what a great dude i mean i had what no idea guy. that oh god yeah oh. i want to go be fr- i want to be friends with him I know. I don't. You know, feel like he's one of those of guys. I want to be like. Neither one of us revolved enough. No, I know, but I, he's like, I got a small circle. I'm like, can you let me in, man? Right. Come on. Like, right. Come on. Yeah. And I would like, be the guy. It's like, hey, look, I just gained forty pounds, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't care. I, that's fine. Yeah. No, he's got he's got a good head on his shoulders for sure. What a life. There's a lot more to talk about too. You know. Oh my Fuck. god. Yeah. He went Very to Lee cool. Strasberg, which which uh, the institute in New York, which makes me happy because that's where Natalie, my daughter, went. So, oh, he's able to tap into stuff. Did did that make you think at all when he's like, "Well, you know, Oliver, when when you say something to get you in the zone before seeing you, you're like, man, I should say something to myself to, to, <laughs> to quiet the noise." Joe, Joe, this is why we're such good friends because you know me, you know me so well. You know, my hand to God, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like. I don't have a little fucking saying that I do. I what mean, one hundred percent. Well, because he was like, he's like, no, no, you know, no, no, you- no, no. I yeah, I'm saying what. Let's think of what it is <laughs> that you can say to cut out the noise. Oh God, oh to cut out the noise. I got to come up with something like, thank you, baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What about? I oh. I, I would like you to reference the albino from uh, Foul Play. Foul Play. I'm still, I'm still obsessed with that. I, I watched Seems Like Old Times last night with your mom and uh, the late Charles Grodin. I know. That was That's on. one of my favorite movies, by the way. I love that My movie. favorite movie that my mom did. Such a great movie. Yeah, uh, we'll Next time we're it. on, I'm going to come up with that. I got to come up with something like that, you know, like, thank you, Daddy. Or like, Daddy, where come are up. you? Daddy, where have you been? Daddy, where have you been? Action. Daddy... Daddy, call me. And action. <laughs> Meanwhile, where's Oliver? He's crying over there in that corner. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. What Thank a, your kids. Geez. Come up with like a some sort of a, a yeah. thing he, for your dude, kids. He, like, he's, he, he's a sick actor. 
he's an artist. You know what I mean? He's a thespian. This dude, this is what he does. I I feel like I, we I, wish, seen... I wish I was. I wish I was that guy. Oh, shut I just, up. I, you I'm underestimate not. yourself so much. I know, but nuts. I know, I know. So, but I, I don't feel like we've seen what will be known as his best role yet. I think you're right. I felt I like we were talking right. to Pacino or something. Yeah, I know. I mean, he's from New York. Yeah. You know, he's just yeah. got an edge. He's all yeah. in his method. He is. He's he just, just lost super 40. Cured, Could you lose 40 pounds? Could no you lose 40 pounds for a role? No. I, I, that means I'd be 140. 47 pounds 145 pounds like I, yeah that i i don't i wouldn't even know how to do that well they have people for that like they're on strict diets and they have to no yes I, I don't know i, I don't want to do i that. couldn't do i'm not saying i could do it i, I just want to know how into acting you are well it depends on the role i mean if it's for a sitcom i'd be like no you know but if it's for some sort of juicy role that's on netflix it's an amazing part and you know maybe with the guy who created narcos with kevin hart and wesley snipes i mean maybe yeah fuck okay i want to do right. something cool like that i want to see you lose 40 pounds i just want to be there for the journey of that <laughs> okay deal <laughs> deal get that you role can be. thanks all right, help me look. Help me find that role. You know, I thought of another thing that we could put behind a paywall to to further monetize our, our relationship. <laughs> okay. Okay. Other than my hair, my latest hair transplant surgery, which involved lunch, so yeah. you would have loved this. So we're sitting there, and it's not. It's ten hours. And they're like, well, we're gonna break for lunch, and I'm like, break for lunch. They they handed <laughs> they sent me a menu prior, like, oh yeah, I picked that lunch. What did I pick out? I got like the chicken kebab and whatever. While my head is novocaine up, I felt I was like, "How much does this feel like the last scene of the movie Hannibal, where Ray Liotta is being served his own brain <laughs> yes. by Hannibal Lecter?" And I, I was just met with blank stares. I'm like nobody's ever said that to you, and none of you have ever seen that. They're like, "No, no." What do you mean? So wow. this. One of their assistants took video of the whole thing, of them doing my head. And I want mm -hmm. that to be on there because it was like I'm telling a joke <laughs> seven hours into a 10-hour procedure that was really good. <laughs> and no one picked and up on it. Nobody no one... picked up on it or even left. But here's the thing. You're reading into your phone mm -hmm. for, the <laughs> for the Abraham Lincoln role as a young <laughs> Abraham Lincoln yeah, as a, the lawyer that he was, and you're yes. making a case great, for like great a idea. cat knee or whatever. That's yeah. got to be seen. That's got oh, that's, to be seen. That's a great idea. I love that. That's a great idea. I, I, I have so many. Coat. By the way, just I have so many of these auditions that I put myself on tape for. Actually, I can just even throw a bunch of them out there. But the Abraham Lincoln one was 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 special. The best thing would be is to do. In the case of Abraham Lincoln, people might get who that is. But if you could guess what the role was, just by, mm. you don't know anything about it, mm -hmm. but they see you talking into your iPhone with some script in hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're like, like, ladies this. and gentlemen of the jury, do the Lincoln voice Gents that you're doing. Gents of the jury. Uh, I forgot the lines. Uh, this is a chicken bone. <laughs> a young chicken bone, flexible, as you see. And this is a bone from an older chicken. 
Can't uh, you see? Not as pliable. Not as bendable. Are you or are you not going to break for lunch? (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be seen. Please. (laughs) That's a good idea, though, by the way. I love the paywall. Oliver's failed auditions on his phone. It's amazing. Me with a bloody scalp and you Mm -hmm. doing rolls into your phone. I love it. It's awesome. Okay. I love it. Um, (sighs) All right. That was really great. I always, every fucking one we do, man, it's like, I just, it's really fun to talk to people. I mean, just be surprised. That was awesome. Yep. Just awesome. I would have, and it has nothing to do with anything other than since we've done this podcast, you know, whether it's Michael Ian Black or McConaughey or, uh, you know, Justin, or right on down the line. I mean, every Pete person Holmes. has... Yeah. Pete Holmes, like, mind-blowing. And I, I would have never expected it. And I'm realizing that there are a lot of really evolved men out there that I yeah. didn't know existed or certainly don't get any airtime <laughs> talking no. about any of this stuff. <laughs> no, I know. It's good. It's, a ni- it's, it's nice. It's, it's, it's good stuff. And, our, you know, our listenership is going up a little bit. You know? Yeah. It's not bad. You know what? You know when it ticked up? When Josh started hopping in on more podcasts. That's true. Maybe he should take over. <laughs> Josh. Jo- Josh, you're the X Factor. Good audio, man. It's good audio. Gotta sound good. It's good audio. It's just good living. It's just good living. That's right. Um, all, all right, Joseph. Good talking at you. Good talking at you. Bye. Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windish. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 